Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a Tim Kirby, who's on the ground in Moscow, I have some contacts in Russia, and he's one of them. He's a U.S. citizen that moved to Russia uh, over a decade ago. I have had him on my show in the past, and I've been in contact with him over the last years here on situations. And he is right there in Moscow as this coup is going on. He's going to give us a good well, understanding as much as he can that the information that's going on in Moscow is, um, you know, the Russian coup is, is there's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of BS and he's going to give us what he knows. I don't have that much to say about this, but my conclusion is that we're dealing with a rogue general and maybe some mental illness. There could be some Western, you know, fueling the flames on this as well. I, I see this as going to uh, just, roll over and in another week we're going to forget about it and move on that's how i see it but it's a big deal going on right now the western media of course are going to pump it up as if it's a coup and the russian putin is terrible nobody likes him so tim's going to give us a really good overview of what he sees and kind of the con- more what the conditions are politically too so you get an understanding and so when you do hear the western media and their perspective you can get a perspective now from the other side from the Russian side. So I hope you get good information out of this conversation. The other thing I want to tell you is please go to my website at sarahwestall.com. Sign up for some of my other places, Twitter. I'm trying to grow my Twitter following. If you're on Twitter, please consider following me and helping me get my numbers up. And also my Substack at sarahwestall.substack.com. You can find everything that I'm on all my audio platforms everywhere at sarahwestall.com. I have it all listed there. Okay, let's get into this really uh, informative conversation with Tim Kirby. Hi, Tim. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, it's uh, good to see you. Uh, It's been a while. Uh, Nice to talk to you. And uh, uh, hopefully I can provide some enlightening information today because what a heck of a day it's been. Yeah, my gosh, you're in Moscow right now, right? And I know well, actually, I'm uh, I'm a lot more closer to where the problems are in Chekhov, but that's essentially Moscow, yeah. And you're a political analyst and reporter, mm-hmm. and you're right in the middle of it, and at least the where the action is. It sounds like you have a rogue general that's going rogue, but what is really happening from your perspective? Well, the problem is, is that it's really actually hard to say because we're in a soup of disinformation. At one point point it's like we all have to flee Chekhov and leave and now it's not and uh believe me the the disinformation bomb is all over uh telegram all sorts of reports of this that and the other uh uh but one thing i can tell you is that for the first time in my life in russia a lot of the videos i'm seeing of what's going on are very uh false flaggy flavored they're yeah. very weird uh not things aren't clear they don't quite behave with the the logic you'd expect and i think that that's something that's very important to stay to stay to say uh to to the public very weird well and that's kind of was my first instinct when i saw this i'm like ah, i don't know it seems like something's not right here it doesn't smell right i did as you know we're both mutual friends with john mark dugan and i called yeah. him he doesn't know much but he says that he doesn't know he goes, but you know, people I've talked to in the area where supposedly all this action is going on, and they're like, "Well, nothing is happening here." Well, yeah, I just even shared on my own channel sort of a um, an analysis from someone who was essentially like, 
Okay, especially about the Rostov. So these guys go to Rostov. It's some kind of like military uprising, and everyone's just got to park their tanks downtown. They're chilling. They're ordering a McDonald's. The name of it changed, but you know it's very similar. So it's like, okay, we're all munching down at McDonald's. They haven't even changed their uniforms, which is important. You know, if you're in a war, uh, you uh, it's in this war particularly. They uh, you see a lot of armbands being used. The Ukrainians tend to use. Uh, blue and yellow, not surprisingly. Uh, I think also on occasion green, whereas the Russians use red and white as their armband colors. And all the guys still have the white armbands on. So uh, imagine if they were in a fight, they're all wearing the same uniforms, essentially, with the same armbands and the same type of guns. Uh, that's uh, kind of a, 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 you know, a recipe for disaster. Uh, so what really? Oh, no. yeah. I was gonna say. What, so what is that supposed to mean? What is? I want to hear more. Your first. Well, it's more, one of these weird things. The other thing I have to mention to you as well is that, like with Prigozhin, the thing I've said on. Uh, I was already on press TV today, so thank you uh, for having me on today. I'm a man in, in man in a need uh, as of today. But like, if you think about it militarily, obviously I never served in either the U.S. or the Russian military, and I am not a military expert. But I do know there's this thing called a supply line. And that's a huge part of war. And Mr. Prigozhin also knows this. And how is he expecting to, with his force, which isn't that big, somehow drive to Moscow or something and fight? You know, if he was complaining about not getting artillery shells back during the fighting for Bakhmut, uh, then uh, where's he going to get ammo from now or even gasoline? Uh, I'd have to imagine that his uh, assets or uh, you know, bank accounts and all that have been frozen. Like, how could he even fuel himself to get to Moscow? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss uh, for the logistics of this. Yeah. This what, are, what are they even saying is happening? I mean, that because in our Western media, we're hearing a coup. Well, yeah. it, it, is it, it seems like it's just and tell me if I'm wrong, that, that there's a general yeah. who tried to take down Putin. He has some support of some troops. And you're not even sure if that's what's really happening. But can you tell no, us? No, well, the the, the the media reports here are very different. And in fact, in Prigozhin, in his own words, said that Putin isn't the problem. His problem is uh, Shaigu, the defense minister. He's essentially our uh, Lloyd Austin uh, and um, Gerasimov, one of the major generals who's at this pro at this point in time, sort of overseeing the whole operation. And so it's one of these things where. Uh, we'd have to say technically, or at least officially, his gripe is with the way the war is being fought, not with Putin. So that's another sort of nuance here. Um, but yeah, but it is definitely a major nuance. Well, isn't it, the major yeah. nuance is important because my understanding is there's about twenty percent. I I captured this. I wrote an article about it. About twenty percent of the people in. Russia, you know, they're seeing the boys die in Ukraine and they're they're pissed and they want yeah. a fast resolution to this war. They want out of the war, but they want strong aggression and take just be done with it. Is well, yeah. that um, the nuance uh, <laughs> going on? Oh, uh, yeah. No, that. Uh, OK, here we go. This is one of these ones where I'm going to have to give a give a complex answer. We have a yes with an asterisk. Now, um, does your. Uh, you know, you have children. I'm pretty sure you should mention, right? Yeah. Yep. So if you remember back to when your children are there, I'm like, you know, well, do your children want to have a nice salad or do they want cookies? Okay. And of course the kids want their cookies because cookies are full of sugar and they're fun to eat and they're crunchy or whatever. Right. And one of the problems is, is that uh, there's a certain group of people, especially around 
one of the original sort of heroes of the Dawn Bass, the one of the few that actually has survived, uh, Igor uh, Strelkov. Uh, that guy, or Igor, wait, Strokov is his nickname and Girkin is his real last name. I always forget. But anyways, that guy's kind of the epicenter of all that, who's been like, we need to fight this war and fight it and fight it and da 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 And it's the supposedly like sort of grassroots way of sort of looking at things, but it's ultimately like a child who wants to eat cookies for breakfast. For, for their uh, desire to, to quickly end the war, the amount of casualties are going to radically inflate and things yeah, aren't sense. so simple. And uh, they're also one problem that I have with dealing with people all the time, especially Russian reporters is no one can ever think that maybe things happen for a reason. Maybe the Russians uh, pulled out of Kherson, even though that doesn't look very good for optics wise, but when they pulled back, Maybe that happened for a reason. Oh, then the dam burst and Kherson was completely destroyed and that would have killed all those soldiers or forced them to be captured or something. Oh, maybe it did happen for a reason. And so I think it's a little bit of childish, uh, maybe wish, I want to I say narcissism. Maybe that's a bit much. It's sort of this wishful thinking that if we just fight the way our ancestors fight, which, by the way, if you remember World War II, who, who took by far the most casualties? Yeah, so not you know, not the best, not not the best strategy to go back to World War II tactics, but they just think that they can get this over with. Now, Sarah, this is the here's the other here's the nuance. Does the Russian population want this to be over with? Yes, of course. But there's a difference between there is a difference between uh end this now. We have to give up. Uh, let's surrender. Just just do anything to make it stop. And like. Yes, we want this to be over with, but we also understand that we have to win. And we yeah. don't want all of our guys to die. Yeah. It's much more the latter, believe me. In fact, it's entirely the latter. Well, does Putin have support of the people? Because my understanding oh, yeah. is he does. Well, yeah, I think the last time, maybe even the first time we talked, I mentioned to you how at the time Putin's uh, approval rating went from about the 80s to the 60s after two events. After the events of the Maidan in 2014, he lost to 10% approval. And when they had the, uh, uh, what's it called, social security reform here, he also dropped 10 points. He's back in the 80s now. Because of these two major sort of calamities uh, during his rule, He the people wanted him to do something about this. Now, remember, the word something is vague, and that's why I chose to use it, because the population wanted some sort of resolution to the Ukrainian crisis that's been going on since 2014. The resolution didn't have to be a war. It just had to be one that didn't make Russia look humiliating and allowed the Russian-speaking people of Ukraine to uh, have their human dignity. Uh, unfortunately, uh, due to, uh, you know, we, we can't forget that uh, uh, both Aland and Merkel already admitted that the whole, like, uh, Minsk Accords were fake and it was just to buy time for the Ukrainians. So there was really no other way than via war. Uh, the West sort of made yeah. that uh, inevitable. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you have to understand that, uh, the population is actually getting what it wants out of this war. They asked for this. We, I should say. So this general will not have a broad support. It, it, do you, you see false flag kind of indications where the, you don't know what was really going on, but does the false yeah. flag now you, when you see that, is it, is it, are they making it seem like it's more successful than it is? Is that what you mean by false flag? The fact that it's happening at all, um, let, let me put it this way. Of one thing that's nice about living in Russia is you don't have to worry about this false flag stuff. That is not the way that Russian society really operates or the government, uh, because 
Russian people do not, you know, problem, reaction, solution. Uh, Russia tends to just be problem and then nothing happens. <laughs> I don't know why, but Russians tend not to panic. Uh, maybe some people online do. But in general, it's kind of part of the culture where things happening doesn't necessarily demand action per se. I may sound like a hypocrite because I just mentioned how the Russians wanted the government to take action in terms of the war. But that's a huge issue. That was the number one issue in the news for the last 10 years. Uh, when it comes to a lot of other stuff or nuances, uh, people are pretty, uh, whatever you say, boss, that's kind of their uh, attitude towards things. So you really don't have false flags happening here. You don't really see this, something happened, the news hypes it, and then the politicians change all the laws. That doesn't happen here. Um, so again, it's very weird because it's very different. One particular theory that's now exploded out is that maybe it's actually uh, the Ukrainians, because they've had their sort of sleeper cells and terrorist attacks within Russia, Remember, they had that sort of uprising, supposedly, yeah, of yeah. pro-Russian nationalists, the Vlasovtsi, uh, who, well, they died quick. Um, we're thinking that uh, there's a possibility that this is sort of that, but on a much grander scale, you see? Okay. So it, it seems like the Western media is wanting to make Putin look weak, of course, yeah. And and hyping all this up, but of course this would be international news, of regardless. But now the general that is, what's the deal with the general that is going after him? Uh, Prigozhin. Well, again, supposedly he's going after Shaigu and Girasimov, the uh, men who are responsible for the special the way the special military operation slash war is going. Um, he's actually uh, after them. What what is his problem? Well, he's a. Uh, created there's a there's a few things one thing that i forgot to mention in a live stream earlier so i better say it now before i forget and ruin this one is that prigozhin actually uh after winning bakhmut uh because he was starting to release more and more of these sort of scandalous very i would call them uh because i'm actually a fan of populism but in this case it's sort of more negative type of populism type of videos where he's very was very critical of um <clears throat> you know the 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 way the war is being done the amount of ammunition he's getting, uh, the interaction between his forces and the and the main forces. So a lot of disappointment, complaining. Uh, there's a very famous video where he was pointing supposedly at the dead bodies of his own guys and blaming the uh, loudly and with a lot of swearing, uh, blaming the uh, defense ministry for being for being at fault for this. If they would have supported them more, these men wouldn't have died by that logic. Well, that's incredible because that kind of... Rhetoric isn't allowed in our military, like a military. It's not guy. allowed in the Russian military either. That's the thing that makes this interesting is uh, a lot of people that have been asking is how is he still in, in, in office or I guess would it be office? I don't know. That might, might be the proper in term. his role in, in his role. There we go. That makes more sense. Um, So how is he still possible? Well, the after uh, Bakhmut uh, was uh, taken. Uh, it seems as though uh, within a month, they were already kind of like saying, okay, time for you to retire, buddy. How about we give you a retirement bonus in a package? And for whatever reason, uh, he doesn't seem to be particularly thrilled with the idea of retiring. That sort of goes into the separate set of sort of conspiracy theories that this is really just the ego of one man, that he became this sort of national folk hero that's like responsible for the destiny of Russia within like this great war. And now he's like responsible 
he's sort of put himself in the role of this like uh defender of all the soldiers and all this stuff so there's ego but the thing is it's kind of maybe connected to his retirement and not really wanting to retire so well, now what happens this is treason what happens in uh russia if somebody commits treason well oh uh, i don't know about the exact sentence but there is no death penalty anymore in russia so he won't be shot. Uh, however, during this process of these shenanigans, if he really is doing what he's saying and things appear as there's more or less being reported and he gets killed by a missile, well, he gets killed by a missile. Uh, I would have to assume that it would be probably 15 to 20 years to life in prison. Okay, because that's pretty much what it looks like. It's like you got a rogue general who yeah. was going nuts. Now, do you? the information is going to come out, but I wonder if there's any CIA foreign involvement that's sparking him on. Well, that's another one of these theories that people are sort of debating is whether this is actually then, you know, very much in connected with it, uh, because one of the dreams of the West at the very beginning has been to sort of bring down Putin. And so, you know, the war hasn't done it because the Russian economy has been booming since the war started. Um, and uh, people aren't particularly mad about the war and understand the reasons for it. So the, I think that this is sort of the phase two of what's in generally happened in Russia is uh, our uh, friends in three-letter organizations in the State Department have always sort of first tried to communicate with, like, Russia's liberals and rich and get them to betray Putin. And that's uh, what happened in 2010 when they had those uh, Navalny protests. That was to sort of get the rich kids and uh, their, you know, the, the, the wealthy and the liberals yeah. against Putin. That failed. And with the war, it was the same thing. It was like, uh, you know what? Maybe some of the kids of the rich guys might have to go serve or, you know what, this is going to force a lot of them to either, uh, you know, have businesses in Europe or businesses in Russia. This whole war and the sanctions, bad for business, that'll overthrow Putin. Doesn't work. Phase two, then, is to try to appeal to some kind of then uh, nationalists or something. And this is sort of more of a thing of, like, sowing a narrative that, like, you know, the defense ministry has betrayed the troops. That they, uh, that this war, like even uh, Prigozhin said, that this war is for the oligarchs. However, in some ways, it's very debatable to what extent there really is a true uh, sort of oligarchy in Russia now, especially compared to the 1990s, and especially for how many of the oligarchs of the 1990s um, aren't around anymore. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not quite sure. Well, I, I, you know, you, it's not evidence that this has um, CIA flavoring, but it does kind of have that uh, sort of thing of like, OK, we couldn't reach out to our liberals and young people. Or the rich people. So now let's go to the nationalists as sort of like attempt number two to create political change in a foreign country. Well, that's that's what it feels like to me. And I think most of the people that I've talked to, you know, a couple of the journalists that I, I've reached out to, everybody's instinct is kind of that. But we don't know. Obviously, we got to get more yeah. of the data. But this has really been enlightening. Uh, we're going to see more happening over the next few days. Putin is out of that region now, right? Oh, I don't know where Putin was at the time. I think he's actually in Moscow proper. But um I, I don't know where he was at the time when he made his major announcement. I think he was here in the in the Moscow rough area. But he doesn't have any risk, so it's not that big of a deal. I mean, he, he this isn't a it for all practical purposes, he's not at risk. Is that true? Well, yeah, well think think about it this way. I don't know how big uh Wagner is. But it's not 100,000 guys. It's not 200,000 guys. I always sort of assumed that it was in sort of the twenty to 30,000 range or maybe even less, that it really wasn't that many guys with that much equipment. 
And we also have to remember that Russia committed about 15% of its total military at the time to the special military operation before they mobilized uh, 400-some thousand guys to fight more. So essentially, the overwhelming majority of Russia's military potential is still inside of Russia. You see what I mean? Okay. So essentially, like Prigozhin, he... He, I don't know how, well, there's gas stations, right? But uh, essentially, is he going to be going to gas stations and trying to mug people for gasoline? Uh, if he does actually start fighting, where is he going to get more ammunition from? So on and so forth. But then the other fact is, is that he'll be absolutely, completely and totally numerically overwhelmed by Russia's own army. Which, like, we we forget Russia's really, the majority of Russia's army, the overwhelming majority of Russia's military potential is still oriented towards uh, Russia proper uh, based on the ninth, or the 2022 borders. So, you but, see? but why is, why are they having getting anybody to support this? Because it's almost like a death sentence for these other soldiers. Again, this is a, this is if it's real or if it's fake. If it's fake, okay. everyone's just following orders. Uh, if it's real, you know, uh, one thing is that uh, uh, unfortunately, Sarah, um, there are some men who are really, really good at uh, fighting, and there are some men out there who are really, really br brave. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a very um, deep intellectual acumen. You know, uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, where uh, let's just say Prigozhin in his videos has been telling his honest feelings. If he really feels that like uh, he's the, that the defense ministry is doing everything wrong and that's been killing his men and he has to watch men die because they're screwing up. Well, if the other guys in Wagner also believe that narrative and they believe that that's the God's honest truth, well, then that could be very motivating for them, you know? Well, uh, that's just amazing he's allowed to do that because that is destabilizing because look what's happening right now. Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, was talking about how they were asking him to sort of retire. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe they were kind of actually trying to sort of soft quiet him where they were like, okay, that was uh, that was fun. How about you retire? You get to be a hero and you're going to have this huge, he's already super rich, but you'll be even more rich. And uh, he refused. So, again, this is one of those things where some people are like, oh, he's just a, it's a bribes from NATO. That makes no sense uh, because he's super rich to begin with, super famous. And uh, he is the exact type of person where the second where if he defected, the second he goes over to the other side, he'd be dead for some reason. From from them, from NATO, they'd just kill him because they wouldn't want him to reveal the secrets. One hundred percent dead like uh, that. um Oh, like the Skripals or Berezovsky or all those other uh, like people from Russia who fled in the 90s when they need to kill someone and blame Putin or hurt them. Uh, there's there's always a uh, uh, fresh Russian defectors to, to use and uh, Prigozhin would just be done. So it makes no sense for him to do something on some sort of like bribery basis. Uh, I, I really don't think that's the case. It makes no sense. But then again, sometimes life doesn't make sense. Well, if this whole thing doesn't make sense because it doesn't seem it seems like he's maybe lost his mind. But people do lose their mind when they're in war, when people are dying and people around you, they do lose their marbles sometimes. Yeah. Or this could be one of these sort of things where, um, you know, uh, I, I don't quite know is his own uh, mental state. But if he has sort of lost his mind, it could be the sort of illusion of grandeur where 
he really may think because okay let's talk about um uh, something which happens uh, very uh, i want to say in russian as you would say uh kind of fairly often um within the media we have these uh mass shooters now if we're to sort of in the united states i mean uh if we're to sort of look at this uh from the standpoint that 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 this happens for whatever reason whether it's uh, sorrow or madness or de- depression or they're drugged or perhaps who knows maybe someone's coaxing them into it regardless it kind of revolves around a lot of mental health issues why yeah because for example like the oklahoma city bomber he was like his logic was if i blow up a state like a state governmental building this will cause a revolution in america that will save us from technology there is no connection that's where madness begins this makes no sense uh, the, no one across America when that building blew up was like, oh boy, now's the time to rise up against technology. So you see, <laughs> and we see this with all these shooters. There's always something where, you know, it's like, okay, kids make fun of me at school. Uh, the, the, the Columbine one, which I'm more familiar with, that was from my youth. Okay, let's go to school and I guess kill random people because certain people made our lives hell. Again, this is mad reasoning. And if he is insane, then the idea of, if I march my men on Washington, then Shoigu will submit and I'll become defense minister and everyone will love me. Uh, that is actually then maybe within the realm of possibility of pure madness. Yeah. But in a, well, in a sane world that that's me makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. Cause you it know? doesn't make sense that he'd have the power to do this. How did he get rich? That I don't know. You don't the, know. I don't know. The, your typical, uh, I guess, businessman from the nineties. So, but, uh, but one of the things is remember before the war, one of the reasons he got to where he got is because he played ball. And so this is another thing that also could maybe lead to uh, this being more of a mental health issue. Uh, you know, Sarah, I'm really thankful that uh, I've only one time I, I had a woman die in my arms. She kind of just, uh, she asked me for some help to get up the stairs and then she kind of died. And oh, that geez. was enough death for me. Uh, you know, that yeah, was, uh, yeah. that was not fun. And I remember that woman's face and, uh, the address she told me where she wanted me to take her, well, she didn't, obviously didn't make it. Uh, that's uh, that's plenty, and I can imagine that uh, you know uh, over these prolonged conflicts, you know, you're just seeing arms and legs here and there and stuff like I that. I think so, yeah. Uh, I would maybe, think maybe he has lost the plot. That seems like that could be a really good uh, analysis. On regardless, he's lost a plot because it's it's a suicide mission if he actually fights. So oh, yeah. I, I appreciate you coming on right now. I really appreciate it. you do. You're in Moscow. You've been doing all this analysis. You do great yeah. work. Uh, where can people follow you? Well, if they want to follow me on Telegram, look for uh, Tim Kirby, Russia Hardcore. I know it's kind of a long name. Uh, I had some bigger plans, but uh, Tim Kirby, Russia Hardcore on Telegram. Uh, if you also look for Tim Kirby, uh, Russia, Tim Kirby, Russia, you'll find me on Rumble and Two channels on YouTube, the one I lost because of YouTube's fun policies. The new one has a lot less subscribers, but you can find all my videos there. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, just also remember, guys, that I think your audience is probably a little bit more on the uh, pro-American side. And I just want to make it clear that, uh, remember, uh, when I criticize American foreign policy, I'm criticizing American foreign policy from the same side as you guys are. Because trust me, uh, a happy America, a sovereign America is going to be amazing for Russia and amazing for America too. Peace is better Peace. for everybody, right? Absolutely. Let's stop killing each other. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for everything that you do. And thanks for coming on on such a short notice. Sure thing.
send me the link when it's up. <laughs> I definitely will. Thank you so much.